Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLocal and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. On tonight's episode, we will take a look at the Central Division and see what teams have done well in their offseason and kind of assign some grades. Thinking about all of the teams that Winnipeg will likely be competing with next season for a postseason berth, which teams are likely to be the biggest headaches for the Jets going forward? I think a couple of names are going to be obvious, but there may be some surprises, especially as the next few months roll on. We'll start with Winnipeg and what they've accomplished so far. And, you know, for obvious reasons, I think everyone points to the draft as probably one of Winnipeg's greatest wins. Bringing in Cole Perfetti is potentially a franchise-altering move, and of course Perfetti is one of the most highly ranked, highly sought-after center prospects in this year's draft class, yet somehow fell to Winnipeg at 10th overall, and, you know, in some ways I still don't believe that it even happened because it's kind of miraculous for the Jets. I mean, it couldn't really have been a more ideal scenario, but here we are. And even though Winnipeg didn't have, like, a ton of picks in this year's draft, I feel like they actually did pretty well. Torgerson is pretty good. Uh, obviously, Anton Johannesson might be something special down the road if he develops a bit more physical maturity and decision-making. And then we have the sort of wild card at the end of the draft, which is Tyrell Bauer. From what I've heard, Bauer genuinely does have quite a bit of skill. It's just that right now with Seattle, he's kind of buried. And with the upcoming likely cancellation of the CHL season, I'm sure figuring out the best place to start to develop Bauer's skill sets will be very important. I'm sure the Jets would love for him to get some pro ice time somewhere, if not another junior developmental league. I don't really know what options there would be aside for him going overseas or practicing with the Jets or doing something like that, but for obvious reasons, he definitely does need some seasoning that's not at the NHL level. He's not quite... I think NHL ready in some of the respects like we have with uh, a guy like Cole Perfetti. If the AHL season also gets canceled, I think that that adds a layer of complexity for Winnipeg to try and figure out what to do. Maybe Bauer, you know, trains in the offseason somewhere else. I don't really know how he would handle that situation. I feel like a lot of guys are going to get loaned to some of the junior dev leagues overseas because a lot of those leagues should still be functioning. You know, you imagine there's going to be a big influx of talent crossing the border if they can and if those leagues are the best options because they definitely can't not skate this season they have to do something it makes me suspicious that maybe they try to push to still have the chl season anyways but we've already seen the armada with an entire team of covid cases and the sheer volume of the increase in covid cases across canada leads me to believe that to some degree chl season's just not really realistic it's going to be hard enough getting nhl bubbles especially more than one quarantine bubble up and running during the next year. Now, there is an interesting rumor that just got leaked by, I believe, one of the Vegas Golden Knights executives, Bill Foley, and that sounds like there is going to be some kind of a Canadian division for both the NHL and potentially the AHL. If that happens, then the the way that the NHL is going to function next season is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen before, especially in the contemporary era. And it also changes what Winnipeg's competitive outlook would look like in a season where they're not going to be facing the same Central Division teams. That said, we're still going to look at the Central because I imagine once COVID is over and we start to see a return to normalcy, I guess, if you can call it that, we'll probably get a reset of the divisions as they were before. In terms of Winnipeg's free agency and trade acquisitions, Stastny is a pretty good trade piece. I would say that he was one of the biggest moves that the Jets made. And you can debate whether or not there's merit to saying that that is a legitimately great move, in my opinion. I think that there's no question that bringing in Stastny is positive. Sure, you would have liked the Jets to maybe have gotten some kind of a pick out of it, but the likelihood that they would actually get something for a guy who is functionally still a top six center, even if he is essentially just a one-year rental 
probably not happening. He's still very productive. He'd be slotting in alongside Line A and Ehlers, so I can't really imagine that there's a scenario where the Jets were going to get paid a whole lot to take his contract on. As far as the free agent signings are concerned, Sabisa was technically a, a re-signing and an extension. You've got Nate Thompson and Derek Forbort coming in, and I think that these are just signings that don't really move the needle. Forbort might actually be decent. I think that he could be a, a solid third-pairing D, maybe even a second-pairing guy in emergency situations. You know, obviously, I don't think that any of these free agents are going to be massive, massive coups for the Jets, other than potentially Forbort maybe being a really serviceable middle-six defender of some sort. I say middle-six, like middle-of-the-road rotation, maybe number four to number 60, something like that. He might be a pretty decent depth ad and somebody who was pretty cheap to begin with, but you know, maybe not like the world's biggest impact free agent signing. Taken on the whole, I kind of look at this offseason move as, as sort of like a B plus, maybe I would say. Uh, I think it's hard to give the Jets an A because I think the free agency class and the lack of an acquisition of a you know top 4D of some sort or a big name defender is probably going to hurt the Jets a little bit. If they can't really get anyone in free agency like Travis Hamanick or even you know one of the upcoming pending RFAs or something like a Vince Dunn or even a Mackenzie Weger, it's going to make the outlook for the next year a little bit murky. And I think that that's kind of the general theme with the NHL right now. No one really knows what's going to happen, and it sounds like there's a lot that's still to be decided, but certainly Winnipeg's defensive depth is one thing that the Jets already know and, and certainly the fans know is not going to be great. I won't give them a grade below B because I think that they actually did pretty well in the draft, and I have to say that bringing in Stastny was certainly a positive add. Sure, they could have avoided maybe paying as much as they did, which, you know, a fourth-round pick is not that bad, but it's also not great, especially with Vegas desperate to dump a lot of salary in advance of bringing Alex Petrangelo in on a huge free agency deal, but of course, it is what it is. I think the Jets did improve. I think that they definitely added a major piece down the middle, and they get Line a what he's been asking for. You know, whether or not it's actually enough to convince Line A to stay until Cole Perfetti is ready to assume the second line center role, I'm not really sure. Line A may already be done and we just don't know it yet. Either way, it does sound like the Jets at least have been rumored to be looking a little more aggressively at the trade market, which I think is a good thing. Even if the Jets end up getting beat out because the player doesn't want to move to Winnipeg or somebody else comes in with a much bigger offer that just doesn't really make sense for the Jets, I'm at least happy to see them being a little bit more aggressive. You know, usually we're accustomed to them doing these really low-end, you know, bottom pairing or maybe bottom six free agency signings for guys who probably wouldn't make most starting lineups. That they're looking to try and address some of the bigger roster holes, at least actively speaking, I, I think is a better positive sign. So I will say like a B to a B plus is probably a fair assessment. I think that the Jets definitely have a lot of room for improvement. But at the end of the day, with the kind of drafting that they had and a couple of the uh, potential trade options that they're currently exploring, as well as the acquisition of Sassny, I think that this is a pretty decent start to the offseason so far. They make a few more moves, like maybe signing a Hamannick or a Dodonov to a short-term deal, and I think the Jets are going to be looking pretty decent for next season. Up next, we will take a look at the Colorado Avalanche, who definitely win the award for most improved Central Division team, and perhaps the award for most improved NHL team, period. Before that, I thought you should hear a little bit about a great book called The Lives of the Stoics. From the best-selling authors of The Daily Stoic comes the ultimate stoicism guide to success, resilience, and virtue. To accept what you cannot control and adapt to what you can Sports teams across the country are applying this popular philosophy by using Stoicism's key idea. You control how you respond and play, you don't control what the rest and fans do, or how the ball bounces. It's about what you did to adapt. Lives of the Stoics, The Art of Living from Zeno to Marcus Aurelius is available now wherever books are sold. 
When it comes to talking about erectile dysfunction, a lot of guys just don't really want to deal with it. It's an uncomfortable and embarrassing topic for most men. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I've lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I've had a long day at work, or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about ED with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. Using Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you step-by-step to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. Getting started is very simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. Erectile dysfunction used to be difficult to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online evaluation today and get the treatment you deserve. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are taking a look at what teams improved in this offseason picture, which has only really been around for a couple of weeks now, but of course quite a few teams were already eliminated, and so the arms race continues on. Let's take a look at the Colorado Avalanche, who might have actually been one of the most improved teams in the entire league. During the draft, they made a couple of intriguing picks, the first one coming with the first round pick of Justin Barron. Barron is kind of one of those classic two-way defenders who might be in some capacity similar to the Sanderson mold, where he's not really somebody with a lot of offensive upside, but he's capable of carrying the puck up the ice and helping his team transition. He's probably pretty reliable in his own end as well. And while he may not exactly have the kind of defensive acumen that somebody like Sanderson brings, because Sanderson is actually pretty gifted in a lot of ways, he should be a pretty reliable top 4D at some point in the near future, although he has had a very major medical procedure to resolve some blood clot issues from what I understand. Their next pick came in round 3, and this is is a guy that I'm personally very intrigued by. Will Scouging, who, as you know, we've had on this podcast before, kind of pointed him out not too long ago, and ever since then, I kind of watched his footage, did a little bit of, I guess, research on his scouting reports, and Foodie is legitimately one of the most intriguing prospects of this class. For one thing, he's an incredibly gifted skater. The dude has an unbelievable motor that can get up and down the ice very quickly. He has one of the most explosive strides, and he's actually pretty good at using it. Uh, You know, Foodie is one of those dudes who loves to maintain possession of the puck, he manages a lot of zone entries, he can dominate offensive zone possession, and what he wants to do is get the puck to the net no matter what it takes. He's often looking for his teammates near the net, he'll look for unreal seam passes, I mean he'll basically pass from almost any angle in any direction, and he seems to possess really extraordinary vision. I think where Foodie's, you know, faults certainly lie is in the fact that his decision making is not always the best when he's on the puck. He has a tendency to maybe overcook his possession a little bit, rather than laying it off and maybe reducing some of the pressure on himself. While he does try to do a lot, I think sometimes, you know, that tendency to do a little too much could hurt him a bit. That said, this is something that could pretty easily be coached out of his game, and if he learns to adapt to the uh, the rigors of the NHL and maybe adds a bit more physical strength, I think that he could be a very intriguing and special prospect. They added a few more forward prospects from the rest of the draft class, but I'm less familiar with some of the guys like Colby Ambrosio and Ryder Rolston, so I'll kind of reserve judgment on what sort of impact those guys would have. We'll actually take a look more at some of the trades and free agency signings they've made because I really feel like Colorado made some very smart moves. Let's talk about one of the biggest ones. This one sees Brandon Sod and Dennis Gilbert coming into Colorado in exchange for Nikita Zadorov and Anton Lindholm. You know, I think if you're thinking about the kind of value that Colorado just added for the price of Nikita Zadorov and likely a top-pairing AHL defender with some third-pairing upside, I mean, Colorado smashed this deal out of the park. 
Brandon's side at this point is probably somewhere in like a middle six role for Colorado, although I could easily see him slotting in their top six as well. I think that he's a legitimately very good forward. He's a great play driver and throughout most of his career was very underappreciated. For the kind of contract he's on and for the value he brings, he's an excellent addition. Losing Zadorov is actually not that much of a loss. You know, Zadorov is one of those guys who, let's be honest, is, is not really much more than a big physical defender who likes to hit. I think one of Zadorov's biggest issues is that his decision making, especially in the defensive zone, is not that great. In some ways, he's kind of like an intensely physical Logan Stanley, although he's notably more mobile. I think that what he lacks in defensive awareness and IQ, he has tried to make up and compensate with like intense physicality. A lot of times though, he just ends up taking a lot of penalties. And I really feel like in terms of his actual on the ice NHL value, he's more of like a fringe third pairing guy. It's a pretty clear win for, you know, Colorado. I think that they identified a guy who could definitely help, you know, at all situations really for their offense, whether they're on the power play or at even strength. And of course, they exchange a defender who's not really all that much to write home about. But the really interesting acquisition they made then after that was to bring in Devin Taves in exchange for two second round picks, one in 2021 and one in 2022. This is one of those deals that I think a lot of teams around the league are going to be kicking themselves for not having done. Taves is, of course, going to arbitration at some point if he doesn't sign a deal. But you have to think that when you're looking at Colorado's blue line, I mean, this guy is immediately one of their best D. He's an incredibly good puck mover. He's excellent in transition, and I feel like he brings a lot of offensive upside on top of a team that already has plenty of it to spare. There, of course, is the argument that maybe Taves doesn't perform quite as well as he did with the New York Islanders because of Barry Trotz's defensive system that tends to favor a lot of shutdown D. With the way that Taves was used, though, especially as an offensive catalyst from the blue line, I really feel like there's not a whole lot to be concerned about here. His defensive impacts may take a little bit of a hit, especially with the higher risk, higher tempo system that Colorado tends to employ, but I feel like his natural transition skill set, along with his offensive instincts, his pretty good skating and his spatial awareness are going to make him a really great threat on that back end. Some have discussed him in the realm of like a really decent first pairing defender, and I feel like that's a, that's a fair assessment. I kind of feel like he's in that Morrissey category of maybe not being a clear number 1D, but he's pretty good as like a number 2. And for the price Colorado paid, I mean, that's a massive win. This is like the kind of deal that you would really wish the Jets have taken if they uh, if they could have gotten Taves out of there. They've also made a number of interesting extensions. Probably the one that stands out the most to me is Ryan Graves resigning for three years at $9.48 million total, which I didn't really expect. Graves has been playing on the top pairing and from what I understand has been alright. I don't know if he's the kind of guy that you would really want to run out there consistently, giving like tons of minutes to, but I think Colorado likes him. He's not that expensive, it is what it is. The other extension that does stick out is Valerian Nachushkin for $2.5 million per year for two seasons. I think that that's a great value contract. Nachushkin showed a really versatile skill set this year, including you know his traditionally great shutdown D and some really decent offensive play driving ability. He might not really be a high-end scorer, but for $2.5 million, you're getting a really good two-way possession-dominating winger, and I think for a lot of teams, they could absolutely use that skill set. For just two seasons on a value contract, this is great for the Avs. We are going to pause with our uh, Central Division team reviews and in just a few moments talk a little bit more about Bill Foley's comments about this potential Canadian division and what next season looks like because it does have huge implications for the Jets. Before then though, I thought I would tell you something a little bit more interesting for those of you who are locked on longtime listeners. If you've listened to this podcast before, you definitely know I like Bilt Bars. I've tried a lot of protein bars before, but one that's always stood out to me is the Bilt Bar. It's got a nice dark chocolate exterior with a soft chewy interior and a whole host of great flavors. 
Now, Built Bar is back and better than ever with six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. They're great for keto diets, as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. While Built Bars taste great, they're also great for you, with most clocking in at 200 calories or less, around 5 grams of net carbs, and between 15 to 19 grams of protein. They're designed to keep you going all day, every day, just like this podcast. If you're interested in trying Built Bar but don't know what flavors to select, be sure to order their variety box, which gives you a whole sampling of all of their best flavors. Just head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to this final act of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast for tonight. We've talked a lot about, you know, a couple of Central Division teams in Winnipeg and Colorado and, and how they've handled this offseason. A lot of teams are gearing up for whatever next season holds, and at first it wasn't really clear what exactly is going to happen. And in fact, in many ways, it's still not clear, but we may have a little bit more insight thanks to the loose lips of Bill Foley from the Vegas Golden Knights. He dropped a couple of hotliners that may really catch your attention, and I think the first big one is that, in fact, there may be a Canadian division, which would really change how the entire NHL functions because the Canadian division would encompass teams like Winnipeg, Calgary, Toronto, and a number of other teams that don't usually mix together. I'm not 100% sure how this would work because, of course, there are far fewer Canadian teams than there are American teams. And if you're kind of throwing out the existing playbook for what exactly the current divisions look like, at least for just this one season, then you'd likely have to restructure how the other divisions function as well. For the Jets, this means that they're going to be seeing a lot more of a couple of teams that probably do concern them. Montreal is a tough team for them to handle, and there's also a good chance that the Leafs are going to be annoying. While I don't feel that most of the Canadian teams really improved, Winnipeg is probably one of the few that has an argument as actually having gotten better. It's also going to be a little bit of a challenge to face some of the better Canadian teams on a more consistent basis. Competing for standing positions with teams like Toronto and Montreal is going to be a little bit challenging. Even though the Habs did not so great during the regular season this year and only barely made it into the postseason, I'd anticipate them being much more of a pest next season. I could also see the Leafs, who are perennial playoff makers, but maybe not noisemakers once they make the playoffs, being still a bit of an annoyance during the regular season as well. The one advantage is that they won't have to compete with Colorado as much, because I, th- I think the Avs are going to really run the Central Division. I mean, that's if they even have something like a Central Division next season. I don't really know what that's going to look like, especially with the Jets now out of it. But either way, you know, obviously I think the Jets may get a little bit of a standings boost, just because I don't really see them struggling too much against a lot of these Canadian squads. Even though they lost against the Calgary Flames in that first round, I don't really feel like that's indicative of the kind of play we're likely to see during this upcoming season. I expect the Jets to be notably better than they were for most of the last regular season. I don't know if it's going to happen 100%, but I do feel confident that at bare minimum, the Jets are going to be like a break-even squad. Potentially better, hopefully better. That's what we're looking for. The other interesting tidbit about all of this is that it's going to be a shorter season with maybe around 60 games from what Bill Foley had to say. And if it does end up being a shorter season, this may benefit the Jets a bit. I mean, obviously it's going to be weird because Winnipeg is going to have to do a little bit more with the remaining games that they have, and it does afford them less opportunity for mistakes, but, you know, everyone's going to be in the same boat. Hopefully, with Mark Shifley and Patrick Laine at full health, the Jets are going to look a lot better than they did this season. Getting Stastny and a full year of Dylan DeMello would certainly be a massive improvement from what we had last year. All of this, of course, is dependent on whether or not the season actually occurs. If it doesn't, then, of course, Stastny is probably not going to be a Jet afterwards, and things are probably going to be super weird, but I think the NHL is going to run with some kind of a plan just because, at this rate, they really can't afford to not have the season. 
Much like a lot of businesses, they're short of money and they definitely need some cash. We'll see how they handle this next phase of the NHL. We're once again entering unprecedented times, and there's a lot of work for the NHL to figure out between now and the start of the season. With that, we're going to close tonight's show with a look at what we're going to talk about in our next episode, which should involve more Central Division team reviews. How exactly have the Blues handled the loss of Petrangelo? Are the Stars really poised for another cup run? Find out more on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. And before you log off, be sure to check out the Locked On National Podcast hosted by Sarah Avampato, as well as our other Locked On NHL affiliate shows. As always, have a great night, and go Jets go!